Welcome to another edition of the Inside Scoop. My name is Neil Crawford. I'm your host and also the founder of Anytime Soccer Training. If you're not familiar with the Inside Scoop, it's a podcast dedicated to helping parents learn about the soccer pathways that would be available if your child lived in another city around the world. In this weekend's show, we're actually not leaving the country. We're only going to Miami-Dade County, but I'm going to talk to a great coach who, because he's worked in all areas of youth soccer, from national team work all the way down to academy-level work, and in between, including college recruiting, because of his experiences over all decades of coaching and recruiting and scouting, he has traveled abroad a lot, and he spent a lot of time in Argentina, as a matter of fact, scouting talent. So, of course, I'm very interested in, in learning about his perspective and in the takeaways he he has from observing kids in Latin America versus those in the States. And he's also started a club, so he's seen a lot of kids, and, and so he should be able to give us a great um, perspective. Now, in that particular podcast, we didn't go into a lot of detail. It was more of a meet and greet, but it's just a primer for more to come because I'm going to pin him down and really get deep into the details. So I'm looking forward to that. Now, this show is brought to you by Anytime Soccer Training. And Anytime Soccer Training is the only training app with over 101 fun soccer games and over 1,000 training videos. And what we're doing um, this week, and I'm actually going to post it today at the time of this recording, in addition to the 1,000 training videos and in addition to the 101 fun soccer games, we are adding skill challenges, okay? And what that's going to look like is all the key moves are going to have their own separate skill challenge video, okay? And we're going to start with toe taps as a quick little sample, and it's intentionally easy because we want people to really understand how the skill challenges are going to work. And they're going to, it's a five-minute video, you practice it twice, and then you perform the move as fast as you can. And then uh, we're asking parents to post great videos to the Anytime Soccer Training Facebook group, and each month we're going to pick one and put it and feature it on our uh, website, and the kids will get a kick out of that. And the first month I'm going to put my boys on, do, on the website doing the Toe Tap Challenge, so that you, you guys can kind of see how it works and try to beat their score. So look look forward to that. Okay, so now let's get on to the show. So before I start, let me, let me remind you guys, I have a couple of shows that I owe you. I owe you a follow-up show to the show I did on how our club does things differently. I owe you a show, a follow-up show on the second most important skill. I um, I'm going to do a show hopefully this weekend if I'm not too too exhausted on sort of parent sideline behavior, my view on that and where where I think the direction I think clubs have to go into. And just some reflection as a parent who is observing this stuff that uh, I'll just share my opinion um, from parent to parent as well. And the reason I haven't done the uh, the one on the follow up yet on the uh, club why our club does things differently is because remember I'm on the outside looking in 
So I have to think about it a little bit more. And the next show, I want to talk about some of the pros and cons from a parent's perspective. And I want to answer some of the questions that you guys posted on Facebook and um, and then add a little bit more clarity and context if I can. So I got to do that one. And then, I, again, I want to do a follow up on the um, uh, the uh, second most important skill. And if you haven't listened to that podcast, I encourage you to go back and listen to that one, because I do believe it is the second most important skill never taught in youth soccer. So let me tell you the title of this particular show and the end of the story first, and then we're going to we're going to go back and I'm going to explain some of my logic. OK, so the title of this one is, um, you know, I never talk to my child's coaches and that's OK. Right. So that's OK with me. I don't really talk to them and that's OK. So that's the title. And I'm going to give some insight on why and why I'm doing this particular podcast in the middle of the week. So in the podcast where we talked about how our club does things a little differently, I mentioned this. And then as a result, I talk about this one of the many things they do differently. I talk about it on Facebook, but, you know, social media chat doesn't give doesn't lend itself well to giving a lot of context. So I thought I would I thought I would break this particular one down. Uh, into its own show to try to give it some more context. But it's important to remember, I don't, I'm not, um, I'm not advocating for one way or the other. I'm just trying to, with these shows in this particular case, trying to give a nuanced view of something that I don't regularly see and then try to get some context as to why I think they may or may not do it a certain way, especially in this case, because I'm not really speaking in any official capacity for my club. Okay, so now we've established I don't talk to my coaches. So now the next thing is let's I need to remind our listeners who have been with us for a while what my, about a little bit about my professional background and then introduce to the ones who are just joining us a little bit of my professional background. I'll keep it really, really quick. So by trade, I'm a management accountant and there are two main types of accountants. There's ones that make all the money and do external uh, accounting like CPA type folks. And then they're internal folks like me. And what we do is we um, um, help companies develop the key metrics uh, that matter for their uh, profitability and operational goals, basically. And once we help them develop those, and in many cases they have them, but still we, we help monitor and all that kind of stuff. Then if we're acting in a consulting capacity, then we addition additionally we start looking at each department, each employees, each each part of the organization's systems, processes, behaviors, people, all that stuff, and make sure that what folks are doing, the processes that people are engaged in, the systems that are in place, are aligned to what the organization is trying to achieve. And then we try to narrow their focus on those activities that really matter. So, you know, the NBA folks will remember a concept where they talk about the balanced scorecard and you can kind of look at a one pager and, and get an, a manager can look at a one pager and get all the key activities on the page and see how those key activities drive uh, certain metrics. And it should have some numbers attached. So that's kind of what we do sort of in the day job. And then. Uh, the way the podcast has been shaping in those early stages is then I, I explain how I take that concept and apply it to um, how I deal with my kids as it relates to sort of uh, soccer training 
And then I take that concept and apply it to um, how I view soccer clubs and then any advice I would give to parents as well. And so what that means when I'm dealing with my kids is I try to be measurable and equally important. So, I, and again, if you, if this is, I'm going quickly cause it's not the purpose of the podcast, but if none of this makes sense, uh, I'll put some earlier shows in the, in the show notes, but I try to be measurable, try to be clear and that kind of stuff. But most importantly, I try to focus on those few things that really matter. And as a parent stepping in for the individual, I happen to believe there, there are few things that if you get those right, have a profound impact on their soccer development. And again, I lay those out, aerial control, not because aerial control is disproportionately more important than other areas. It's just that the teams don't have opportunities, don't have that much time to do it. The kid's not going to do it that much on their own, but it has huge benefits in the game environment. Repetitions, same same concept. You don't have enough time. Kid's not going to do it on his own. That's where the parent can really step in and add a lot of value. And then becoming two-footed, foot, no one's going to get your kid to kick 15 free kicks with their uh, non-dominant foot or strike the ball with a non-dominant foot or dribble with a non-dominant foot. You have to do that. So so those are some of the those are the three areas I focus on. And, and again, another reason, another reason, the main reason I focus on those is because, number one, they're in our control. The individual can do them by themselves with no no help. And then um, when a child acquires skill early on, they arrive in these competitive team environments um, more prepared, more confident, more skillful. And then what happens is the coaches and the other players hold them in higher esteem, give them, put them in leadership positions. And this is not right or wrong, per se. It's just the reality. And then what that does is it creates a self-fulfilling prophecy. The more skilled you are, the more you're going to get the ball. The more you get the ball, the more success you're going to have. The more success you have, the more success you have, the more confident you become. The more confident you become, the more you get the ball and you get the pitcher. So if you can get them skillful early on, then it has profound, it has a profound impact on their development uh, long term. So that's why I focus on that. So then that, that brings me to another point. So that when I'm talking to parents, I beg them to narrow their focus on those things that really matter. They don't, from what I can tell, they don't tend to do that. And so they focus on a lot of stuff that doesn't matter. So for example, I have a, a good friend because my boys, they play in different soccer clubs. So one of my friends who his son plays on my younger son's team at, at one of the soccer clubs, he's constantly telling me that I need to get my older son into that club because it's a larger club so that my older son can get more exposure and blah, blah, blah. And that it's going to be harder for my older son to make these so-called top teams when he gets older if he doesn't get in effectively on the ground floor. And I keep trying to explain to my friend that this doesn't really matter to me in the way that he is thinking about it. And I'm going to coin a phrase, I'm not coin a phrase, I'm going to borrow a phrase everybody talks about because I'm really focused on development, right? I'm really focused on my child's happiness. I'm not worried about which club he 
is or is not, not in that way. And that's an example of someone that, in my opinion, is fixated on something that I just don't think matters in terms of their uh, development, not in that way. And I'm not, I'm being a little unfair. I mean, if I was in a bad situation, then yeah, it would matter if he was saying, hey, here's a better situation, but that's not, that doesn't appear to be what he hasn't, he's not evaluating both clubs and saying, hey, I, having been in both situations, I'm, I'm recommending this. He's just looking at it like, this is a bigger club. This is the best opportunity. It has all the bells and whistles. This is where all the college coaches are going to be at. This is where all the scouts are going to be at. And again, I don't, I don't, I don't think like that. So, so that's an example of focusing on the wrong thing. And I don't want to go too much on a tangent, but I do want to throw that in. So then, if we parachute to the club environment, um, I want to talk specifically about something our coaches, not our coaches, or our club does a policy they have, and and. I want to frame it again in the same context of focusing on this, those things you can control and then narrowing the scope on those things that really move the needle. In this case, move the needle for the children's development based on what the club club has control over. So if I were to interview a coach and they ask me, you know, what and then I asked, and they said, that what's the primary role? What is the primary goal of, of, of this job as a coach? And what do you want me to focus on? So my answer as the club director would be, I want you to focus almost exclusively on the development, short-term and long-term development of the players in the club. That's going to be my message to this is the skill set I want. I want you to have. I want you to be dedicated to their development. I want you to build relationships with the players. I want you to have open communication with the players. I want you fiercely focused on the players, individual development and the team's development. And this is sort of what that would look like. And I would probably have some view on what it looks like, which I don't necessarily. And then here is the job specification. And normally a coach's job will have 30 or 40, I'm making this number up, 30 different bullet points. And you have these things, we have these same bullet points of things that need to get done. But in my club, we're actually dividing those. So you're going to focus on these 10. There's another coach that's going to specialize in these 10. And there's another coach that's going to specialize in these 10. And you guys are going to work together. Uh, and form synergies to make sure that all this stuff is executed properly. So you're specializing and you're working together. So that's going to be my conversation to that coach. And that's what I want them to focus on. Here's what I personally don't want the coach to focus on. I don't want the coach to spend any time um, on something that doesn't add a lot of value to player development. So I don't want the coach to source uniforms. I don't want the coach to source equipment. I don't want the coach to deal with fields. I don't want the coach to deal with team snap too much. I don't, or any of these softwares. I don't want the coach to deal with too much. I don't want the coach to deal too much with setting up video. I just want them focused exclusively on the kids. And that's a handful in and of itself. And then I also don't want the fo fo coach focused spending any time dealing with the parents. And so, you know, when you youth soccer, youth sports in America, I think on balance is good, going good. 
we have some negative trends that we need to reverse, but on balance has been a positive force for families and, and kids alike and parents. But if you talk to coaches, you talk to people in the uh, soccer establishment, and you ask them what are some of the biggest challenges you have, they are going to say, tell you that one of the biggest challenges they have in some way, some context, is parents. So even if it's not an adversarial situation, they're still going to tell you that it's educating parents or bringing parents along or managing the different parent personalities. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, they're going to tell you parents are crazy and this is a necessary evil that we have to manage because there are customers or there's some other uh, or there are key stakeholder that we need. But if we could wave a magic wand, we would just deal with the kids. This is what they tend to say. And I am a parent who happens to have coached and do, does deal with other people's kids. And I can tell you that dealing with parents for the most part is a great experience, but dealing with parents can be difficult. And there's always going to be a level of pressure there as well, especially with the nature of how you sports are that the parent or guardian, or guardian can actually see the sausage being made. So that brings me, leaps for me to how our club does things. And I'm putting this out there to get folks' opinion. So our club has some very clear rules when it comes to, to communication. Number one, a parent cannot talk to, email, send smoke signals, via a WhatsApp text cannot talk to a coach, their coach or any of the coaches about the club's soccer. So they can't talk to them about, and I'm trying to use the words precisely to say, yeah, you can talk to them about the Leicester City game or something, but you can't talk to them about your child as it relates to soccer, right? You can't talk to them about why didn't my child play last week or can you put my child in goal or why were they in goal or what, you know, my child is having issues with another child or, you know, what are some of the things that my child needs to work on at home? You cannot, it's no, never. You cannot talk to the coach uh, about soccer. That is a complete red flag. Then, so then red card. So then the next point is so the way you communicate to the club about soccer is you email um, the club director and they get back to you and you guys talk about the issue and this part I have to fill in the blanks because I'm not sure and then if it's a situation where the coach needs to get involved at that point they will schedule time for all you guys to talk about it okay and then at the end of the year, and between, so twice a year, twice a year that you guys meet. So at the end of each season, I should say, everyone meets, the player, the parent, the coach, and the club director to discuss the player's development and next year's goals. And that's an opportunity for everyone to air the differences. That's how they handle it. And, um, and, I, and here's why I think they do it this way. Because we just talked about that we want the player coaches focus almost exclusively on the kids. That's not to say that if you do things differently, because I think all clubs do it differently than this. Maybe some European academies don't, but all clubs do it differently than this. But 
so that's not to say you're not focused on development, but here is a very clear line to say you are only focused on the kids, right? So this part of your job that took time at best, but was at worst negatively influenced your 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 you as the coach's decision to make the best decision for the kid, or force you to navigate a difficult conflict resolution situation with a few disgruntled gruntled parents. Now that's removed from the equation completely. We're not having that. You don't have to think about that. So the only conversations you're having with us parents are pleasant conversations, right? You know, boy, little Johnny is really growing up, man. Did you see the game last night? They're just pleasant conversations. So that's that's number one. And I'm trying to get my thoughts together. So the next thing is when it comes to individual development in your personal life, when it comes to development of a team or organization, one of the biggest challenges that everyone faces, this is universal, is distractions. OK, and so I also understand why they would do this, because now that's a distraction that the coach it can completely avoid. Another thing is, while obviously, you know, parents, you know, they give parents a hard time. I think some of them are rational, some of them are irrational. But the bottom line is, if a parent normally when a parent wants to talk to a coach in the middle of the season, it's a negative situation. It's not It's rare that a parent comes, hey, I just want to tell you how good of a job you're doing. It's normally some kind of negative feedback or an expectation that you're going to take my feedback into consideration when that's normally, at least in my experience, not necessarily a realistic expectation. It may happen. It may not. And so as I start racking my brain to think about what are some of the things that a parent wants to talk to the coach about, I personally feel like it's going to be about their kid, right? And if it's about the team, then you need to talk to the um, club director anyway. So if you have an issue with the coach, how the coach is handling the team, that's that's a job-related issue. So you need to talk to the co- parent uh, club director because you don't speak on behalf of all the parents. And if you have an issue with how, the, how something is going on with your individual child, then you the expectation is that you want the club the coach to change their behavior and that gets very tricky very quickly especially in the competitive and game situations because what the coach is trying to do and what the parent for that individual child may want may be misaligned and i think it's just better to air that stuff out uh uh through a formal process and let's be clear and i'm going to try to wrap this up quickly um this is another point of misunderstanding. Um, Accessibility does not necessarily mean, or lack of accessibility, I should say, doesn't necessarily mean there is a lack of communication. Now, our club happens to have some communication issues like many small clubs, but uh, now we're talking a little bit in theory that I can restrict how much access particular you, you have to particular employees while still having open um, open lines of communication. And then let's deal with another thing. So I, oftentimes you'll hear people say, well, parents are partners in this thing. 
And I don't know if I would describe parents as partners in the in what the club is trying to do. Parents are an important stakeholder. And yes, parents do influence the culture. And so you do need them on board. But I and I and I'm gonna say something and I may argue with myself a little bit, but it's because this is this part of it, I'm not a hundred percent. I'm still thinking through it. So I'm kind of sharing um, some thoughts that I'm having in forming real time. So, but if I go back to my education days, it was, it was well determined. And I'm sure there's some study floating around that the, the biggest driver of development and advancement for the child, as it relates to the things that the school has control over, were the micro interactions uh, that happened in the classroom. So those micro interactions that will happen with the teacher and the student and the student and their peers, that by far was the biggest driver of, um, of, of student success along with, we talked about this in another podcast, sort of the, the base level literacy level literacy that the child was bringing to the table. So, so I'm saying all that to say that my understanding of the of what the club is trying to do on an almost day-to-day basis or my understanding of why the coach is playing the children this way, I don't think that actually is a driver of my child's development, okay? I, 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 at best, it's just good food for thought. I do think, and this is where I'll go back and forth even with myself, I do think that helps uh, me gain a greater appreciation for what the club is trying to do. Um, and to the extent that my having a greater appreciation, greater appreciation for what the club tries to do helps support them, so be it. But, you know, the development is going to happen. If you are, if you if you got the right processes in place and you really focus what, how much you communicate to me as the parent is not going to have that big of an impact on the development one way or the other. That's my opinion on it. Now you can paint a scenario where that's not true. So you can create a scenario where you'll, where you can say, well, no, if, you know, if we get the parents involved and we bring them along and we educate them and they do this and they do that and da da da, then it's going to be um, it's going to be better for the kids and better for their development. And I don't disagree with that in theory, but the reality is parents are coming to the situation with vast differences, vast differently different motivations and what they're looking for out of a soccer club, many of which are just looking at this as a fun activity, right? And so the hard work that will be required to truly partner with the club to really move the needle on that child's development, um, it's clear to me as someone who owns a training company, someone who has children that demonstrates the, you know, what 10 minutes here, what 20 minutes can here can do, it's clear to me that most people just aren't there yet and so that's not where I would want my club to invest a, a, a lot of the coaches' resources. And if it's that important to me as an organization, we would have to think about a way to engage 
these stakeholders that are all, that we are calling parents uh, that does not involve the operations of of player development in this case the coaching and the teaching and learning because quite frankly they don't even have enough time uh to develop the kids as it as it is i mean we really need more time on the pitch let alone trying to cater to any particular parent and then let's say you invest all this time in communicating educating and engaging the parents next year if you were part of one of these bigger clubs it's going to be a whole new crop of parents, so you got to do it again. So I'm not against coming up with some kind of standard processes to help parents understand what's happening, but I don't want those coaches spending too much time. I don't want them spending, sorry, any time talking to me. Uh, I'd rather them focus on my kid, and if I got some questions, I'll talk to the club director or a or a director of coaching and then that brings me to another point you may say well our club is too big and we can't do all that well again if your club is that big in my opinion you still get some filter person to filter this stuff through and i'm going to talk about how i would change things a little bit with my club and in, in a, a proposal that i sent that i did send at one point and something that i think i might even share just a, how i might handle this but i still will have somebody in the in between filtering these complaints almost like a mini hr before i had gave direct access to the coach and so again i'm gonna wrap this up here i'm trying to see if i forgot anything uh i definitely understand this is not popular i understand this is not easy to explain, I know I'm missing other sides of the coin. And it's also one of those things that if you saw it, I think it would um, make even more sense. And I'll, and I'll end with this because it's not even like school. If, I, if I'm able to watch the practice and I'm able to, in many cases, hear what the coach is saying, and I'm able to watch the games and in many cases hear what the coach is saying. There's just not a lot that I need to talk to uh, to the coach about what's going on with my child. But in those occasions where there's something that's not aligned, lining up, then, yeah, I'll drop it. I, I haven't done this, but I'll drop an email. I would drop an email and say, hey, this is what I'm saying. I, I like to talk about it. And I'll talk to the club director. And then if we need to bring the coach in, we can bring the coach in. But I will hope the club director would communicate this. And then let me let me pivot to the parents, especially the ones who just started. I don't and I don't want to offend our club directors and coaches who are listening to this. But I have not seen uh, parents have much success in changing how clubs do things. Right. I haven't seen that happen often. So my recommendation would be to um, focus on the things you can control and hopefully you're in a, and, and hopefully you're in a good club environment. But if you're not in a, good, a, a club environment that works for you, use my screening uh, screener that I gave the uh, tip on and then start thinking about where it, where the best fit for you is. But I just haven't seen situations where you can really do a lot of changes now. I'm going to argue with myself again. I do see situations where the squeaky wheel does get the oil, but that's just not 
that's not what I want to do for my children. Okay. I, I, I don't want to get into these. I don't want to engage the coach in that way, trying to get some kind of favorable treatment for my children. I'll, I'll probably, if it's just not working out, I'll probably have to find a better situation. And that's a lot easier said. That's a lot. That's very easy for me to say, because in my area, we have a lot of options and I'm happy with the club now. And, and, and we have a lot of good, not good, but relatively good um, options. So that's a lot easier for me to say. I'm sure there are parents out there saying, Hey, this is all we got. So I have to battle with these guys and, and try to try to and try to advocate for my child. And again, I, again, I keep rambling, but you are at, you can advocate for your child. I'm just not going to get I just don't think it's the, the upside of giving the parents total access to the coach. It's just not worth the downside that comes along with it when we start talking about the conflicts of interest between the focusing on the individual player versus the individual player's long-term development and the team's long-term development and all that kind of stuff. And then distracting the coach from what I really want them to focus on, which is delivering a comprehensive soccer curriculum in a very truncated period of time. All right. So I hope uh, I hope some of this made sense. This was not a podcast to say, Neil, you're right. This is a podcast to say, boy, um, every almost most of the stuff I see clubs do, we do a little differently. And I'll try to uh, most of the things I see families do, I do a little differently. So I'll try to drop a few here and there. Not to say they're right, but at least just to broaden the conversation to say there are alternative paths than what I'm seeing. And then get people's feedback to say, yeah, but that's crazy. Or, yeah, we tried that. It doesn't work. Or, yeah, well, this, we do something similar. All right. So, again, Neil Crawford. So, check out anytime-soccer.com to join the mailing list and collect your free uh, seven-day ball mastery challenge. And then in a couple of weeks, you're going to see the skills challenge on the website. But I am going to post the skills challenge today or tomorrow. Let's get better together.